you let me ask you please to pray to pray with me father in heaven when jesus has said to us that he is the way the truth and the life we pray that this truth that we read will reveal clearly that way and will be life to us eternal life help us now in jesus name Amen. Turn please to John in chapter 14. John chapter 14. I want to read the first 14 verses. John chapter 14, please. Hear the word of God. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father? And the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, you remember, a number of weeks ago, I said I wanted to take up this section of the Gospel of John, chapters 13 through 16, uh, because I I wanted for us to listen to Jesus speak really about the Holy Spirit. And this is the passage in which he speaks about the coming, the sending by him and his Father of the Holy Spirit. And we've been building the case or building the context really for that. There are five um, passages really about the Holy Spirit in these, uh, in these chapters of John's Gospel come next week to the first, but, but it's still building so we can understand the, the context for Jesus speaking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. We began, though, you remember, in John chapter 1, because there John, as he lays this Gospel, this good news out, as he lays it out, he, he's, he's speaking about Jesus there in that opening chapter and kind of lays out all the pieces that he's going to develop and he speaks to us of Jesus being the creator, being God, about being light and life, about being God in the flesh that is God with us 
uh, the word became flesh and dwelling among us, this Jesus is going to reveal, if you will, he's going to disclose, he's going to explain, he's going to exegete, if you want to use that word, if you know what that word means, he's going to exegete, he's going to narrate, really, the Father is going to disclose him uh, to us, going to make him, make him known. And then we jumped to chapter 13, where, where this evening begins with Jesus and his disciples, and, and there he is on this Passover evening. We know what's going to take place. They, they could have known. They had some inkling. He had told them about coming to Jerusalem and, and being uh, really uh, killed and rising and all of that. Well, this, this begins that, that, that time, really. It's not going to be very many hours before all that unfolds. So Jesus is with his disciples on that night, this intimate time with them to tell them about his going away, tell them about his death, tell them about what's going to happen to them, tell them how they're to live and to tell them of the coming of the Spirit. And so, so he, he, he does something unthinkable on that evening as he washes their feet. It wouldn't be the first unthinkable thing he's going to do. He's going to die for their sins soon. But he washes their feet, that, 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 that menial task, that task that only a slave could do, was expected to do. But Jesus, the Lord of glory, humbles himself as a picture really of the incarnation. He humbles himself and there he is washing their feet because he says he's going to show them the full extent of his love for them. He's going to show them the, 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 how much really he loves them. He's going to love them to the end. And, and this begins that expression of love. This, he says, this is what love is. It's not grabbing hold of your rights, but it's humbling yourself to do even that which would be unthinkable to do that needs to be done for the other and to do it in love. You see, that's it. That's love. He says, so I want you to follow my example. So he'll whirl, whirl around and he'll come to this point where he says to them, here's how I want you to live. I'm going to give you this new commandment. It's not utterly new, new in the sense that it's never been thought of before, but, but the standard is new. He says, he says, I'm going to give you this new commandment. If, if people are going to identify me with you and you with me, if you're going to be my disciples and be known as my disciples, and you have to resemble me. And so, so I want you to love one another as I've loved you. That's what I want you to do. Now, they, they weren't quite taken by that statement at that moment as Jesus was talking to them on this evening because he added in the midst of that, he says, now you need to know that I'm going to a place right now where you can't go. That's what caught their attention. That's what he begins to speak to. He'll come back around. We'll see this soon uh, he, about talking about loving each other. But, but, but what caught their attention was that Jesus said to them, I'm, I'm going to a place uh, where you can't immediately he can't go with me now now he meant the cross they couldn't go with him to the cross in that sense because he was he was he was going to the cross and through it he was going to then enter into this temple in the heavenlies that wasn't built with human hands and he was going to sprinkle blood there not the blood of lambs or bulls and goats and all of that but his own blood and he says i'm the unique one i'm the one who can do this i'm the only one who can do this i'm the only one welcome in the presence of the father i'm the only perfect sinless high priest and i come not because i'm because I'm, I'm i'm dealing with my own sin but with yours and so i'm coming to offer my blood for you and, and so all of that so so they couldn't go there but, but then he comes around, as we've seen in here in this chapter 14, and he gives them words of comfort. He says, now, believe in God, believe in me. A, a day will come when I'll come for you, and I'll take you where I am. 
You can't go immediately with me. I'm going to the cross, going into the presence of the Father with my blood. That you can't do. But, but I'm doing all of that so that a day will come when I can come for you and, and, and you can be with me for all eternity. You can be with me where I am in the very presence, if you will, in the Father's house. Because you see, I'm going to that place to prepare a place for you. You don't have to worry. There'll be plenty of space. My Father has a huge place. Lots of rooms. Rooms for everyone. And, and so I'm preparing that place. And, and of course, I wouldn't have told you about this if it weren't, weren't so. So I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for this and for you. And he, Jesus says, now you know the way to where I'm going. You know this way. Now, obviously, they didn't quite get it. They couldn't quite know it because Philip asked this, this I'm sorry, Thomas asked this question. He says, Lord, uh, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus then says, well, you do, really, because I'm the way, and you know me. You may not have realized that all in its fullness, a day will come and you will, but, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, he says, except through me now. Jesus is the master at stunning statements. Breathtaking ones. But there isn't any quite like this one. I mean, think about what he's saying here. He's identifying, and he will identify himself, and he has identified himself with the Father. John identified Jesus with the Father in chapter 1, in the beginning. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He identifies with the Father's Creator, Jesus, Creator. The Word becomes flesh. He says, I'm going to make the Father known to you. In fact, on another occasion, Jesus would be speaking like this in John, in chapter 5, in verse 19. He said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, so also the son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I send you, say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. He says, listen, there's, there's this union, if you will, between me and the Father. In fact, he'll say to them, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. We know the distinction, these persons, Jesus and the Father. We know the distinction, but, but he's saying, I'm, I'm joined with him in such a way that to know me is to know him. I really do disclose him. I really do reveal him. I really do make him known, you see. I don't do anything that I don't see him doing. I don't say anything I haven't heard him say. So you can trust me when I say I'm the way to him, the truth to him, the life. There isn't any other way. That's his, his connection point, you, if you will. The 
between him and the Father. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, that exclusive expression of Jesus, no one comes to the Father except through me. So the question then is, is how can he say this? How, 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 how can he be the way and the exclusive way? How can he be the truth and the exclusive truth? How, how can he be the life and the exclusive life? Well, well this, this idea that Jesus is the way, what does he really mean by that? Well, he says, listen, the way to God between us and God is blocked. You can put it that way. It's blocked. From our perspective, we can't get there. And even, if you will, if we could put it this way, from God's perspective as well. There's a, a block there, and the block is our sin, our rebelliousness against God. You see, we don't want to go there. The scripture says no one seeks God. And we may think we do, but we're really not seeking God. We're really seeking a God of our own making, a God that we, we would like in, in our, own, our own way. You see, our sin isn't just all these evil things that we do and all the disobedience that's there. It's this sense that we think we're adequate, we're sufficient, we're able in our own way. One Orthodox theologian put it like this. He says, it's not the immorality of the crimes of man that reveal him as a fallen being. It's his positive ideal, religious or secular, and his satisfaction with this ideal. In other words, he's saying, listen, we, we can look at all the wrongs that we do. And, and, and there's a sense in which, yes, that really shows our fallenness. But, but the deeper evil, if you will, what really shows our fallenness is that it's our positive ideal. We actually think we're going to figure this out. And we actually have this sense of confidence about that. Just give us enough time. Give us enough thought. We're going to get this right someday. Every year we hear a State of the Union address. I don't care who the president is. They're all the same. It's a State of the Union address. They're the American ideal. We haven't gotten there, but we will. First of all, we have this great confidence that the American ideal is ideal. And usually what makes it ideal is that it's ours. Now, we can't even reach that one. But we will in three years and a half. We'll get there. That's the fallenness of us. We think we have the way all figured out and we can get there. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. It's deep within you. There's something within you that won't allow you to embrace who God really is. There's something at your very core, not just your sins, but your sinfulness. And so at the very core of it, you see, you don't know the way. And you can't get on the way, and you can't make the way. And, and, and there's a block as well from God to us that keeps us from being together. And that is still our sin. Because when God looks at our sin and he sees the rebellion of it, the injustice of it, then he must act justly towards it, which is to punish, which is to make it pay, if you will, which is to cast it. 
So that's really the dilemma. That's the problem. For there to be a way, that block has to be taken out. And you see, Jesus does that first by dying on the cross, you see, uh, so that our sins are forgiven. And by living this life of righteousness for us, so that the Father's block, if you will, is removed. Obedience happens in Jesus. And the penalty for our sin is paid. And that, that opens then this way. And the Father sends the Spirit to come and convict us of our sin, enabling us to embrace this truth so that we say, yes, I believe. And so we enter in, you see, we're reconciled. This is the way, not only that, he's the truth. Jesus is saying that you can't really know anything about God that's reliable, and you can't really know anything about yourself that's reliable, except that you know it through me. I am, simply I have it, he does, but I am truth. Look at me. Know me, and you'll know the very truth of God and man. Now, see, we can say, he, he, he said he was the exclusive way because who else could do what he's done? Who, who else could be that way? Well, he says, now in the truth, who else could know what he knows? Who else could disclose what he disclosed other than the one who is God and who is man? He says, I know God because I am. I know him. I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I don't do anything. I don't hear him. I don't see him do. I don't say anything. I don't hear him say. That's what Jesus is saying about himself. He says, so, so look at me. I'm reliable truth. Who else? Who else do you know? Who else do you know can speak to you and show you God? But I am, so I can. And everything that I say about God, everything that I do in his name, is reliable God. You can trust that. You can know that. And who else can really speak to you about man? I I, I made you. I know your frame. I've come and taken it on, and I've dwelt among you. I, I know you. Better than you know yourselves, better than you can know yourselves. So I'm here to communicate to you. I'm here to relate to you about who you are. So so you can trust me. And everything that I say and everything that I do is utterly reliable. You can trust me. And and I'm the life. I'm the source of life. I proved it when I raised Lazarus from the dead. Just if you were wondering. I I showed that I I am sovereign over. I'm powerful over. I have authority over physical life. I I can do this. Now what I want you to understand is that, 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 that... that this life that I give isn't simply physical life, but it's real, eternal life that comes from believing in me. Who else can say that? Who else can really, can really bring that than this one who makes reconciliation between us and God? There's a phrase the apostle uses in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. He speaks of those who are lost, but he speaks of us in our lost condition of those who live without God. We live in in God's world, but without God in that that sense, no no real life. 
And so Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I really am. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Why? Because I'm the way, and no one else can know or make that way. I'm the truth. No one else can make or know that way. I bring truth. I give life. Trust me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, he says, except through me. This has been laid out uh, for us in this compilation Thomas Akempis and some time ago put it like this in this little not so little piece the imitation of Christ. He says here's what Jesus is saying. Follow me I'm the way and the truth and the life. Without the way there is no going. Without the truth there is no knowing. Without the life there is no living. I'm the way which thou must follow the truth, which thou must believe the life, which thou must hope for. I am the way inviolable, the truth infallible, the life interminable. And the straightest way, the sovereign truth, the true life, the blessed life, the uncreated Now, this would take some faith, wouldn't it, to believe that, especially on the part of the disciples, because it would be soon that this one who said he was the way would be hung helpless on a cross. This one that said he was the truth would be charged with and convicted of blasphemy that is lying. This one who claimed to be the life would die. But in his dying, the way was made. In his dying, the truth was revealed. The truth about God's holiness, God's justice, and God's love was revealed. And in his resurrection, life was given. He said, now trust me, believe me. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me because there simply isn't any other way. There simply isn't any other truth. There isn't simply any other one who can give life. Period. Oftentimes we get in trouble as Christians. People say, how can you be so exclusive? Well, the answer is, of course, we haven't been so exclusive. Jesus has. He's the one being exclusive here. Take it up with him. Find another way. Find another truth. Find real life somewhere else. We'll leave that with you. This isn't my exclusivity. This isn't the church's exclusivity in that sense. This is the exclusivity of one religion. This is the exclusivity of Jesus. He's simply laying it out, stating a fact that this is it. There's only one way. And the good news is this one way works. This one way is sufficient. This one way will get her done. This one way saves. Thus, there needn't be any other way. And when we rebel against this way, it simply is confirmation of the truth that we don't want a way other than our own way. Because he says to us, Here's the way, 
and it isn't your way. You haven't been able to make the way. You haven't been able to know the way. You haven't been able to have life. So you must trust completely in someone outside of you, another. And if you say no to that, he simply says, That should be convicting. (laughs) That should be convicting. But notice this. It goes on, Jesus does. In verse 10, he says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? In other words, he says, Haven't you been around you, especially my disciples? You've been traveling with me. You've heard me. You've seen me. You know anybody else like me? I mean, really. Haven't you seen God? in me, in all of these things, in in a unique way, like no one else could. Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. In other words, he says, look at the work that I do. I do these works because they point to the Father. That's why I do these miracles. When I, when I, when I fed the 5,000, it was to show that I'm the bread of life. When I gave this man new eyes, I did it so you'd see that I'm the light of the world. When, when all of these miracles you see, when I raised Lazarus from the dead, I did it to show you that I'm the resurrection and the life. These are all God things to show the Father and the glory of the Father, to show that when the kingdom comes, there'll be provision, there'll be sight, there'll be light, there'll be understanding, there'll be life. I did all of these things, not as ends to themselves, because you see, after I fed those 5,000 people, they were hungry the next day. That wasn't the point of it. This man I gave new eyes to, as he gets old, his eyes will dim. Bless Lazarus' heart, he's going to die again first one to be born again and die again. Oh, well, there he was. He says, he's going to die. It's, it's, that's, that's not the point of it. There's a deeper point of it. I want to show you the kingdom. I want to show you the power of God. I want to show you God, what it's like to be in him, to know him, all of that. So he says, well, believe the works that I do. Because if you look at those and you go, oh, 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 I get it. Remember, when John the Baptist, this John, who was the, the forebearer of Jesus, if you were the one that proclaimed the way, this one who baptized Jesus is the one that, 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 that was there and says, I must decrease and he must increase and all of that. When John was in prison, he began to doubt. And so he sent word, John did, through his disciples to the disciples of Jesus with the question, ask Jesus, is he really the one? Is he really the Messiah? And John doubting in the midst of that prison cell. And so he comes back with a word. And you would, you would, I would have thought Jesus would have just said yes. But he didn't. He said, tell John what you've seen. The works themselves, you see. They point to the very fact that he is Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. The very Son of God. But then Jesus turns this as he's with his disciples. And this is what I want to get to today. In verse 12. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Again, these stunning statements of Jesus. I was stunned a few weeks ago and I, I read this verse 
in chapter 13, verse 20, where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. And I go, we're sent in the name of Jesus. And he's saying there's a sense in which they receive us in Jesus' name as we come bearing the gospel of Jesus. They receive Jesus. It just takes my breath away as a human being. And, and now he says this. He says, the works that I did, I did so that people would see the Father. That's why I did them, so they to reveal the Father. Now, what I'm telling you is that you are going to do the works that I did so that, implied, people will see the Father. And then he goes on to say, because I go to the Father, greater works than these will he do. Now, Jesus is speaking here not simply of these disciples. See, I would think, all right, I can buy this. This is Peter, James, and John, and those guys throw in Paul, right? I can buy it if that's true of them. And it is true of them, but it's true of more than just them. He says, whoever believes in me. That's, that's, that's you and me. Jesus used this expression uh, through the gospel of John often. And John uses it, uh, he, whoever believes in me. Uh, he says in John chapter 6, whenever thirst, he believes in me, he says in John chapter 7, out of him will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me. He says in chapter 11, though he die, yet shall he live. In chapter 12, he says, whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness. And so, so this, these, are, these are followers of Jesus. These are, these are the folks who buy in. These are the people who say, yes, I believe he's the way, the truth, and the life. These are the ones who receive eternal life, believers in Jesus, us. He's saying, listen, I want to tell you something. And again, it's, I, I don't even I don't know how to talk about it. He says, I want to tell you, you will do the works that I do. Now, what does Jesus mean by that? Does he mean that we're going to be miracle workers the way he did miracles? We're going to walk on water. We're going to change water into wine. We're going to, we're going to be a great fraternity trick, wouldn't it? We're going to, be, uh, uh, we're going to, we're going to uh, uh, feed thousands with just a little bit. We're going to give sight to the blind. We're going to raise the dead. So he means by that. Please understand, I believe miracles happen, but I don't think he meant that by this. I don't think he meant that everybody who believes in him is going to be a miracle worker. And I believe that for a number of ways. One is, he talks about our works, not our miracles. And Jesus works, not his miracles. When John talks of Jesus' miracles, he uses the word signs. Here he's using his works, a more general term. Secondly, when Paul writes to the church in Corinth in chapter 12, he says, not all perform miracles, not all do miracles. And so I don't have the sense that even if we believe in miracles and all that sort of thing, but, 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 but not that... Whoever believes in him, that this will characterize them, if you will. Plus, as we go into the book of Acts and we see what takes place in the book of Acts, we do see miracles happening through the apostles, but we don't see that as the general case necessarily. But, but we do see something great in the book of Acts. And what do we do see in the book of Acts? We see that the Holy Spirit comes upon the people of God. And in, in coming upon the people of God, they do stuff. They become his witnesses. That's the very point of it. That's the, that's the whole outline of the book of Acts. Acts 1.8. Wait in Jerusalem until the power of the Holy, until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, 
to the ends of the earth. And that's what we see happening through the book of Acts. That's the key of it, you see. So Jesus says, listen, if you're going to do the works that I do, that is to say, you're the ones in the world who will reveal the Father. And that will take place by way of your lives. He's already called us to this work of loving one another. He says, that will reveal that you belong to me. And that will reveal that you belong to me because the Father has called you to himself. He's brought you to himself. And so you see, just this very work of loving one another will reveal the Father himself. When Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you know, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, he he tells us, you're going to do these works, the works that show my Father. I did works that show my Father. I did works of compassion. I did works of of mercy. I did works of of, of love and, and grace and all of that. These showed my Father. These showed what happens when the kingdom of God is manifested. And I'm the king and I've brought the kingdom of God. And now you're my subjects. And you, in your lives, the way you live, the way you speak and all of that, that will show people the Father. Do you see, do I see myself like that? As one who discloses, one who reveals, one who makes the Father known by my very life. As I love and care and forgive and all of that. This is, this is it. And then he says, greater works than these. Now when he says greater works, I don't think he means more spectacular. There's not too much more spectacular than raising somebody from the dead. Right? I mean, that's pretty spectacular. And it isn't just that we would do more of it, though we will. We'll be out and about and all of that sort of thing. He was in one place, Jesus was, and, and now we're all over the place spread out. And, and that's true. I don't think that's what he meant, it meant either. Greater in the sense that, and, and this is just mind-boggling. And I, I, I read about 20 different people to make sure this was right, okay? People I trust. They may all be wackos like me, but, but people I trust. Anyway, to, to make sure that, that, that this is, this is, I could say this without being struck by lightning. Greater than the works of Jesus because we're able to do something that even Jesus couldn't do. And the reason Jesus couldn't do the works that we're able to do is because Jesus hadn't done it yet. That is to say that even in Jesus' life, everything was still predicated on him going to the cross. When he offered forgiveness, that was still predicated on him going to the cross. It wasn't done yet. When when, when we offer forgiveness, it's because it's done. It's already been done. Everything, all the way to the cross, was looking forward to it. 
And so to offer forgiveness, you could say I'm offering you forgiveness, but only on the basis of this unblemished animal that's going to die for you. And in order to understand that, and you've got to come into this nation of Israel in some sense. You've got to come into this whole big system of law and all of that. And, 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 but someday, it'll come in a way that's fuller than this. And Jesus said, because I go to the Father, your works will be greater. See, I haven't gone to the Father yet. But once I go to the Father, then it's done. And when you say, again, outlandish, stunning statement. We read a couple of weeks ago, John chapter 20, verse 21. After the resurrection, he'd gone to the Father and was even going to ascend. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold the sins, if you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it's withheld. How could he say that? He could say that because I've gone to the Father. He was saying because it's done, because it's really true. If you offer them forgiveness in the name of Jesus because they've repented of their sins and trusted in him, then they're really forgiven. It's done. It waits on nothing. It doesn't wait on somebody to come and die on a cross. It isn't predicated on a, a symbol that's going to look to that. But he says, you don't, you don't, You need to understand this. You need to understand the times in which you live and for them which they were transitioning into. And he says, I couldn't even say that. But you can. Because by the time you get out and about, it will be done. Because I've gone to the Father. Now, understand this too. That when you're out and about church making these declarations and doing this work that's greater, you see. I mean, do you get this? As we're teaching our little four-year-olds in Sunday school classes, and we're holding babies so other people can worship, and while we're holding babies, we're praying for them. And while we're teaching our kids, and while we're leading Bible studies, and while we're talking to our co-workers, and while we're putting bags of groceries together and taking to feed people who are hungry, and when we're doing the family promise weeks, and, and, and when we're giving meals to people, we're sharing with our neighbors, we're loving one another and loving people, Jesus is saying, listen, that is a quality about it now that it's never had before, because I've gone to the Father. And because now you see, you are able in the midst of that to show the kingdom of God has come in Jesus. That's why we're doing this. That's what this is all about. And he says, that's greater works than even feeding the 5,000 when I did it and raising Lazarus from the dead. Don't you get that? And so he says, now listen, it's still me at work. In fact, because I go to the Father, here's what can happen. Here's what will happen. Ask me anything in my name. Now, we're out of time. (laughs) We'll come to this expression again because this was a popular one. Jesus that night. He told them on two or three other occasions, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. On the one hand, I hate to say anything about that. 
Because I don't want to limit that in our thinking in any way. Because if there's one flaw in all of us, is that we don't ask enough. That would be my suspicion. My suspicion is that we don't pray enough. And it isn't so much quantity, but there's something to quantity. But he says, here's the quality of it. It's in my name. And there's a sense in which that conditions, of course, everything. He says, it needs to be consistent with me. We, we pray in Jesus' name. That's a, that's a habit of ours. It's a good habit of ours. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a recognition that I'm not coming in my own name, my own authority, because I deserve this. But I'm coming through Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We're coming through him. And, and so that's why we say that in our prayers. It doesn't mean the end. When we come to the end, in fact, one uh, theologian wrote a book called Praying Backwards. He says we should start with in Jesus' name, not end in Jesus' name, because that's how we pray. Really, in Jesus' name. But, 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 but what he's saying by that is, when you come to me to make the Father known, when you come to me to glorify the Father, come, ask me anything. Ask me anything. Because you see, that's who you now are. You're now people who do my works. And because I've gone to the Father, you're now people whose works are even greater in showing the Father than what I was able to do because I've gone to the Father. I've been glorified. It's now done. You may offer forgiveness in the name of Jesus, in my name, to all who repent and believe. It's done. That, that night that they were with Jesus, that Passover night that he was sharing all this with them, I suspect they, like we sometimes, were feeling like they were drinking from a fire hydrant and all of this coming to them. But this would be etched, I believe, in their brains took bread and after giving thanks he broke it and he gave it to them and he said this is my body which is the way and the truth and the life it's given for you and he took the cup and again, after giving thanks, he gave this to his disciples. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And I think to be etched in their minds, oh yes, he's the way, the truth, and the life. It is finished. And now as I go out and about, and now as I live my life, and now as I, I go, he's ascended this one who has made propitiation for my sins. And he's gone to the Father, and now he rules and reigns, and I ask him to enable me to reveal the Father by my life.
and he will do that. He will do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, pray for me, for us. We believe that, that you're at work in us. You've gone to the Father. It is finished. We're examples of that. We've heard this word. We've believed. Well, because you've gone to the Father, your spirit has come and your people have shown us the Father. And now we believe. So I pray for me and for us that knowing you, we may reveal you to a lost and dying really world that needs you as we have needed and need you. So work in us, I pray. And even on this day, to take this bread, this juice, set it apart, so we know we're in the very presence of the one who's ascended to the Father, and we know we're in his presence by his Spirit being present with us even as we touch and taste, smell and feel these elements. So be with us as we come to this table. May our faith be firmed, established. May we know who we are. leave this place to disclose you, to glorify you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I remind you this table is not the table of grace, evangelical Presbyterian church. It's the table of the Lord. He invites to it all those who, who do believe, who know that he's the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father except through him, and you, you know that way. You believe that truth. You've received that life. It's true for you. You understand yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God with, without any hope except in his sovereign mercy which he has given to us in Jesus and you receive and depend upon Jesus as he's offered to us and the gospel is the savior of sinners and now you, you live as those to glorify him, to make him known. That's true for you. I invite you to come these two sections down the side to my left, these two down the aisle to my right. Take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup and as you do, remind yourself that he is the way, the truth and the life and that you've come to the Father. Only through him, please come.